Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. So today we're going to continue in our summer study sermon series. That's what we're calling it. Four S's, I guess. The summer study sermon series on the book of Acts, where throughout the entirety of the summer, we have been going line upon line throughout Acts chapter one, all the way to Acts chapter four in a series called the early, early church. Cause I can't do 28 chapters in one summer. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. I'm too long winded as you guys know. So we're doing the early, early church. And today we're going to turn the page and move into Acts chapter three. And I've got homework for you guys this week. Are you excited about that? We're going into Acts chapter 3, so that means homework is back. So if you don't mind, go ahead and open your Bible or open your app to Acts chapter 3. Today we're going to read the very first 10 verses of Scripture in Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 1 through 10. uh, Excuse me. Acts chapter 3 verse 1 through 10. And as soon as you find it in your Bible, if you don't mind to stand, we're going to read the word together in concert as a family. Um, if you've got a physical Bible, I've asked you guys to bring physical Bibles all throughout the summer, but maybe you have an app, Bible app, logo, something like that. But if you don't, we're going to read it off the screen together. So will you guys read it with me? Come on, 11 a.m. Will you guys read it with me? All right, let's read it together. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. Let's say that last part all together real quick. But what I do have, I give to you. Let's say it one more time. But what I do have, I give to you. Lord, I'm praying that today that we get revelation about what we do have. I know some of us came in here this morning distracted by what we do not have yet, but I believe before you walk out of this room, the Holy Spirit's going to touch you with revelation power to remind you of what you do have because of what Jesus paid for you on the cross. Look at your neighbor and say, you got it. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Somebody should have done this to Conor McGregor last night. And leaping up, he... Too soon, my bad, my bad for all the McGregor fans in the room. All right, let's go back. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And entered the temple with them walking and leaping and praising God. That's how you respond to getting healed. 
And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Come on, let's pray right now. Lord, we say thank you so much. Thank you so much for the supernatural power of Jesus. Thank you that you are still in the business of raising up sick bodies. Thank you that you are still in the healing business and you speak over this church today, rise up and walk. Lord, we ask that the supernatural transformative power of your word would go forth today and transform us more into the image of the Christ, the Lord Jesus. We bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen Amen and amen and amen. Hey, as you're getting seated, I want to say hello to uh, the Hart family who just moved here from California. Will and Moosey Hart are with us and their beautiful children from Iris Global. Let's go. I I don't know if you guys have heard, but Iris Global has moved to Tennessee. Let's go. How many of you guys love Iris Global? Will, Moosey, you're loved. Uh, Justin was in the last service and uh, they shared a season of ministry together at Global Awakening. And he said, oh, this was one of Randy's favorite messages. So I feel like this is the right day for you to become a member of Legacy. Um, I'm messing with them because I know they haven't decided where they're going to plant. But today, in Jesus' name, we're going to declare that uh, they're family. You hear that, Will? Amen. 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 Okay, the title of this message from Acts 3, 1 through 10 is, But what I do have, I give to you. But what I do have, I give to you. I I really do pray for you that God would remind you of what you do have rather than allow you to leave here focused on what you don't have. So let's go through this passage of scripture line by line. Let's start with verse one and look at it and and, uh, we'll read it. Verse one, Acts chapter three, verse one says this. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Now, anytime we go line upon line, it's always good to look at each and every character within the context of the story. And so usually we would pull human characters from the text and talk about what's happening from their perspective. But to start, I actually want to pull a unique character from the Bible this morning, which is the character of the temple. Everybody say the church, if we could refer to it as such. The temple in this moment is going through a crazy transformation. Now, we have to remember that the temple is a Jewish house of worship. And these two apostles that are headed to the temple, a Jewish house of worship, are now believers of a different faith, a new faith called Christianity. So at this stage in the early, early church, you have Jewish worshipers 
standing next to new baby Christians, praying, praising, and worshiping alongside each other. But the Christians now have the understanding and the revelation that the Messiah that the Jews have been writing about and prophesying about for thousands of years has in fact come. He is God. He is the Lord. He is the word that has been made flesh that has been dwelling among them as the Messiah whose name is Jesus. So you have this transformation that's taking place in the house of God. Now, we can't forget that just a few chapters or months previous, Jesus himself was in the temple doing something really bold, which was cleansing the temple. Do you guys remember that? Like he, he, he got himself like a, a, a braid of cords, the Bible says. And I know a lot of times we think about that as like a, a bull whip or something, like Jesus got all violent. But I looked it up. It's more like a, you know, a wicker basket, something like that. So he wasn't trying to come through like popping somebody in the mouth. He was, he, it was an instrument for sure, but not an instrument of violence, but it was an instrument of justice. So he came through and he started cleansing the temple and he started pushing out the entrepreneurs. And I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but I think we still have too many spiritual entrepreneurs in the church masquerading with a title. Dang, we're going, we're going deep quick. I'm not trying to be mean, but you guys with me? So he comes through and he's cleansing the temple. He's saying, get all of these uh, businesses out of here because this is the house of God. This is a place of worship. My house is not supposed to be a marketplace. My house is called to be a house of prayer for all nations. So we know that something had recently happened in the temple in that Jesus had just cleansed the temple. But not only did Jesus cleanse the temple, God also ripped the veil in two in the center of the temple. You know that, uh, that protective uh, veil that stood in between the people of God and the presence of God? That veil that had been in place for hundreds of years? Well, that veil was ripped in two from the top to the bottom. That's how you know no man did it. Because if a man did, he'd had to get it from the bottom. You see what I'm saying? But God did it. He ripped it from the top to the bottom to release the presence of God, not just for the priest, not just for the people who had some type of pedigree or were some kind of uh, qualified in a sacred special way. But for everybody that considered themselves to be a, uh, a person of God, they could have an encounter with the presence of God. So, so you got all the money changers. They're gone. The veil that had been in the place for hundreds of years, now it's been ripped in half. It's no longer there. So the temple is looking pretty different these days. Out in the temple courts, uh, everybody had just witnessed a crazy revival. Like Peter stood up after they spilled out into the temple courts, speaking in tongues as the spirit gave utterance. And then all of these people from all over the world were testifying that they could hear the wonders of God proclaimed in their own native language. 3,000 people repent and they get saved coming to faith in Christ Jesus. And then it's not enough that they say, what shall we do? We believe in Jesus. They also get baptized. Wow. Wow. 
They get baptized in the temple courts. So you notice that the temple is going through a crazy transformation right now. So you got these apostles that are Christians that are going into a Jewish place for prayer room. You have to, you have to notice that. We have prayer room. Did you guys see the video? At the ninth hour? Did you guys see that? On Thursdays? You see how biblical prayer room is? So the apostles, they were on their way to prayer room, right? Remember, this is a, a, a prayer room that is hosted by Jews. But they're going to it as Christians. Listen, I'm, I'm just making a suggestion that when you start to see people of other faiths, and I'm not trying to get weird, but I, what I'm saying is when revival happens, there's going to be people show up in this room that you're going to be like, what in the world are they doing here? I'm I'm telling you guys, I think we need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable because the people that God's going to send into the temple for the hour of prayer may not necessarily look like us, but that doesn't mean that God's not working. The church is going through a massive transformation. The temple's going through a crazy transformation. And despite the revival, despite the reformation taking place in the house of worship, there were still plenty of Jewish leaders that were rejecting the idea that Jesus was who he said he was and that he was the Messiah. They said, no, no, this guy cannot be the Messiah. There's no way that that's happening. We are going to stand tall and we're going to oppose this new religion. Now, Uh, Not many years later, actually A.D. 70, the temple is destroyed completely. But we see in the early, early church that not only did the people of God walk through crazy, mind-blowing transformation, but also the house of God. This is why I'm bringing it up. Because I believe that as God releases revival and reformation, what we know of as the house of God is going to look different than what we think it might. Listen, I know this is not sitting well, well, because it's like, man, I like my seat. I like my parking spot. I like my three songs and then the offering. And I like my 45 minute message. And I like when Bliss does the video announcements. And I like checking my kids in without a line. And, I, and I, I like when it stays 70 degrees in the sanctuary for the entirety of the service. Everybody's talking about a new normal. Listen, whenever revival happens, it's not just the people of God that go through transformation. It's also the house of God. And so I don't want you to get too invested in what God used to do and judge everything that God does on the basis of your experience and what he did. Listen, I'm just trying to open our eyes this morning, if we could, because I do believe that God is doing a new thing in the earth. I do believe that we're going to see God break out in an amazing way in our generation. And if we expect it to look like what we've always experienced We might end up like the Pharisees persecuting the next move of God because we were the ones that he used in the last move of God. What if the house looks different? What if the music is different? 
What if we roll an organ in here? Y'all gonna get mad? Everybody say, okay, everybody seems fine about that. All right. It's okay. If you move the chairs and you dance like little children, I like you even carried a tune with that as well. That was nice. What what's gonna happen? I, I think that what we're going to see is unlike anything that we might expect. And and the Lord told me last week, He said, I want you to get comfortable with distractions. Because when non-church people come to church, they don't know how to act. <clears throat> when we come in, we, we got this, we, it's like, man, we have, it's choreographed. The way we shake hands. How you doing? You know what I'm saying? Like an old Baptist deacon. How you doing there, bro? How you doing there, brother? I'm blessed and highly favored. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm so blessed. You know, unsaved people don't know what you're talking about, right? What's wrong with this man? You know, but we, we, we come in and we even have like our, our worship like is... Everybody's got their own move. That's the window wiper. You know what I mean? Everybody has their own move. I know Ben's. I I think I stole Ben's, to be honest. While you were away, bro, I was the only person to hold it down, so I've been doing it. But the point I'm trying to make, church, is that whenever God shows up with revival and reformation, church is going to look different. And some of you guys are like, yes, because I don't like the way it is. And some of you guys are like, no, because I love the way it is. Well, I think you're going to have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Because what God wants to do in his own house is unpredictable. And if you think you're going to control it, you'll have to turn God into an idol. Idolatry is risk-free religion. That's what that is. So they're going to the prayer room, right? So you got, you got Peter, you got, you got John, they're apostles. Everybody say the apostles of power. The apostles of power. They're, they're on their way to the prayer room. They're going to go pray at, at the temple. And then we have another character uh, that enters the story. Let's look at verse 2 and verse 3 real quick. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. Now, two things I want to point out right here is the first thing the Bible says is that and a man lame from birth. So we have a lot of faith for God to heal things like headaches and hangnails. But this guy here had probably never walked in his entire life, all right? So the Bible says that he was lame from birth and he was being carried, right? So his friends and his family, somebody laid him down at the gate in front of the temple 
daily, the Bible says. Now, daily is very interesting to me because if this was the post of this lame man, that means that Jesus had to walk by the man at least like a thousand times. I mean, I want you to, I mean, I was considering this this week as I was, you know, reading through this. I'm like, hold on, Jesus, if you walked past this lame man whom I know you had compassion on, you obviously loved him. This man is lame and has been sitting here for the entirety of his whole life, at least for as long as his family and friends have picked him up and set him there. Why didn't you heal him? Because if you look at the lame man at the gate called beautiful, you can almost transpose it with the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. It was basically like the same story just happening at a different location. And Jesus, if you healed the man at the pool of Bethesda, then why did you not heal the man at the gate called beautiful? And then I remembered Ecclesiastes chapter three said that he makes all things beautiful within his own timing. And so maybe the reason that Jesus passed up the man whom he knew needed healing is because he had a plan to release healing to the man, but in a different time than the man may have preferred so that God could receive more glory from his miracle. Now, I don't know who I'm preaching to in here, but I believe some of you have been sitting at the gate of the church for so long thinking, why in the world is Jesus coming through this place every single Sunday and he's not healed me yet? You got to know Ecclesiastes chapter three says he makes all things beautiful in his time. Oh, he, he's still in the healing business. But the timing at which he heals us is in accordance to the glory that he'll receive from the miracle. So maybe he's sitting back thinking, they think they need healing right now. But I'm just going to wait until all of hell circles up on him like, yeah, we about to feast on this man right here. And then in the last moment, I'm going to come through. I'm going to bring wholeness. I'm going to bring healing. I'm going to bring supernatural power to turn hell on its heel and move them in a different direction, making that person an example of what it looks like to be a son in my world. I don't know. I'm just I'm just thinking I'm just I was reading that this week. I said, man. Jesus must have had something up his sleeve. You know, he's passing by this guy and this guy's like, you know, this guy's panhandling, right? He's like, he's shaking his cup and he sees Peter, you know, the first Pope. So he's like, man, I know this dude's a man of God. He just preached at this same church like a few days ago and 3000 people got healed and then he baptized them all. So I know he's going to give to me. Y'all hear the sound of an abundance of rain? So so he's got his cup out. He's like, the man of God's going to bless me. Right? So he's like, hey, hey, can I get some charity? You know, he's shaking his cup. Hey, can I get some charity, man? Can I get a little money, man? You know, hey, look, you may not have any um, bills, but could I get some, you know, pocket change? Could I just get a little pocket change from you, bro? you, You guys know what I'm talking about because we pass by people like this all the time in Nashville. And we pretend like they're not there. We don't even want... Is he still there? You guys know what I'm talking about. But the guy there, he's, he's, he's panhandling and, and he's asking for money. And I have to think that he actually expects to receive a little bit of money from Peter, knowing the man of God that Peter and John both are. Uh, but what the Bible says is that he expected alms... 
But the Bible does not say that he expected healing. Which I think is pretty interesting. Because the man ends up getting healed, but the Bible makes no reference to the fact that the lame guy had faith for healing. And I know a lot of times we think, well, unless I have faith to be healed, I won't be healed. But that's not what happened in the case of the lame man. The lame man didn't ask for healing. The lame man didn't expect healing. The lame man expected to receive alms. He had faith for the money, but he had no faith for his miracle. And yet Peter walks by and what happens? The Holy Spirit moves through the apostle of power, Peter, an apostle of power. The Holy Spirit moves through him. Healing power touches the man. And what we know happens is that he gets strength in his ankles. He gets strength in his legs. He is supernaturally healed by the power of the kingdom of heaven. He stands up. He starts jumping like the he. The healing of his legs was a miracle, but the fact that he could get healed and then walk despite having been lame from birth is another miracle. How is it that an adult man that's never walked before starts leaping? Ben, you know what I'm saying? Like, how is it possible? That's another healing. That's another miracle. And what we see here is we see a manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit through the church. Right, so let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 to 11. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, what we're seeing here is the very first recorded instance of the gift of healing and miracles. All right, so that's why I'm bringing this up. Obviously, we know from last week that there were many signs and wonders that were being done through the hands of the apostles. But in Acts chapter 3, it's really important, guys. In Acts chapter 3, we see the first mention, the first articulation, the first definition of what it looks like for an individual to be healed in the early, early church. The man who got healed didn't even have faith for it. I'm just saying that should set precedence for us to understand that there are going to be people who are going to come into this house looking for a a check. And they're going to get healed without faith for their own miracle. And I I know you've been told that the only way you're ever going to get a miracle is if you build your faith up enough to get one. But notice that Peter did not say, hey, man, if you'd get up and you'd go with us to church and you'd get in the uh, young adults ministry and you'd go to the school of ministry and you get a little bit of discipleship under your belt and you build your faith up and you pray in the spirit. We just started doing this thing, man, last chapter called praying in tongues. And if you pray in the if you pray in tongues, man, I'll tell you, like after six months, you might have enough healing. You might have enough faith for your healing. So if the early, early church didn't do it like that, then why are we doing it like that? Oh, man, well, you, you know, keep praying, man. Eventually, one, you, eventually you'll get faith. No, no. He, he didn't expect, he didn't expect healing. He didn't even have faith for healing. And yet there was a manifestation of the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we see it for one is given through the spirit, the utterance of wisdom. Uh, that's my wife. To the, uh, another, the utterance of knowledge. According to the same spirit, to another faith. That's me right there. I'm telling you the truth. I just, I, I just believe for anything. And if I don't, I'll pretend like I do until I do. Some people come and pray for me right now for, you know, something crazy. Yep, you got it. Let's go right now. And even if I don't believe it when they ask for it, by the time I finish praying, I fully believe for it. You know, I'm praying for them like that. By faith, 
Y'all know what I'm talking about. To another, the gifts of healing uh, by the one spirit. To another, the working of miracles. What's the difference in healing and miracles? I know a lot of times we're like, what, what, hold on, what's, is there a difference? Yeah, this is the way I would describe it, okay? I'm not claiming this is completely theologically accurate, but uh, miracles happen in the moment, but healings happen over time. So there are certain times in the Bible where we see Jesus praying for somebody for their healing and there's a miracle that takes place and they get healed in the moment. But there are other times in the scripture that the Bible says that they were healed the same day. And there were other times in the scripture where the Bible says that they were healed the next day. So just because you pray for somebody in Jesus name and you don't see them healed right away doesn't mean you're not a person of power. There may simply be a manifestation of the gift of the Holy Spirit that is healing and not the miracle, but the person still gets healed. These gifts that are made available by Jesus are supposed to still be active in the modern church. Amen. This is why I'm reading them to you because I want you to know that I believe for all of these to be happening here. To another prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. How many of you guys know that's important today? Right? What's the motive under the motive, the spirit under the spirit. You guys know what I'm saying? To another various, the kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So I, I'm believing God, and I hope you'll believe with me, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are supposed to always be happening in the church, and we'll stand on the rock that is Jesus and say, we want every one of them happening here. You think it's packed in here now? Let a lame person get healed from birth. Let some blind eyes pop open. Let some deaf ears pop open. Let somebody with cancer testify to, hey, I'm cancer free, man. Let somebody with leukemia come out of the hospital room. I, I've seen it all happen. I've seen all of that happen. All of it. And when, the, and when the word gets out, what happens is the same thing that happened in the book of Acts. People will start traveling. Say, what's God doing in these temple courts? What could God do for me? I need a fresh touch. I need a healing. I need a miracle. You know what I need? I need some wisdom. I need somebody to preach to me with some knowledge. I need to get some understanding of what's happening in my life. I need some discernment. So what do we see the apostles doing? We got the temple. That's a character. We got the lame man. That's a character. And now we got the apostles of power. That's another character. Okay. So what do we see the apostles doing? Let's look at that scripture real quick. That's verse four and uh, four through six. It says, and Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read this passage of scripture, I feel conviction. How many of you guys know that the Bible, we don't just read the Bible, the Bible reads us. The Bible actually prophesies to us about the potential of our lifestyles. So when I read things like this, I start thinking, when's the last time that I saw somebody who was sick and lame in their body? And I said, hey man, look, I, I don't have the money you might be asking for, for, but what I do have, bam. And they get healed. 
So I don't know if I'm the only person in here, but recently I found myself just asking God for more. More. I, I, I want more anointing. Am I all by myself in this? I want more encounters. I want to see more miracles. I want to see the Bible come to life. I, I don't want to just do conferences. I don't want to just do church meetings. I, I, I don't want to just do like, you know, uh, try to build a brand and call it a church. I, I, I don't want to do, just do like fancy Insta post. Like I want like the real word uh, robed in flesh. I, I, this is what I've been praying. I was like, Lord, I just want more. I want to see things like this. And I felt like the Lord gave me some insight into becoming an apostle of power. You ready for it? So, so here's the first thing that I noticed in the scripture is that it says, and Peter directed his gaze at him. Everybody say he looked, he looked at him. So if you're, if you're taking notes, you can write this down, you know, becoming an apostle of power. All right. You can write that down. Uh, Point one. Here it is. Um, The apostles looked in the direction of pain and peril. You notice what he said before the lame man had the opportunity to expect anything from the apostles of power. The apostles took it upon themselves to not break gaze. Now, I I don't know if you're getting anything out of this, but just like when you pull up to the guy on the street that's selling the contributor and you're like, don't look at him. You see what I'm saying? Don't look at him. Don't look at him. Just keep your, keep your eyes, you know, why, why, why is it because of our lack or is it because we're unwilling to look in the direction of somebody in pain? Because our Christian bubble is too comfy to look in the direction of pain. My Christian existence is so comfy. You know, I get up in the morning, I do my YouTube devotional. You know, I read my little word. I go to my Christian coffee shop. I sit down with my Christian friends and we speak in Christianese as we drink our pour overs. And then I go back home and I watch a Christian movie on Pure Flix. You know what I'm saying? Like, y'all get, I don't know if y'all don't know if y'all get those ads on your YouTube, but man, they're bothersome. Anyway, if anybody works for Pure Flix in here, man, God bless y'all. But like, I, I just see like, the thing is, is like, we're in this Christian bubble so often that we refuse to look in the direction of pain. And what the apostles did is they said, no, no, I'm not going to turn my eyes from pain. And I'm not just talking about people selling the contributor. What about people involved in human trafficking? Are they people or are they just statistics? I mean, them kids will be all right. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. Those, those people going through all of that impoverishment, going through all that pain, going through all that hatred. No, it's fine. They're going to figure it out. It's all good. Somebody else to take care of that problem. Probably the person I voted for. They'll take care of it. It's all good. Look, I'm not trying to meddle, honestly. I'm trying to say, how have we avoided looking in the eyes of the people who are suffering and in turn forsaken our opportunity to operate in the power of heaven? Because we're so consumed with our comfort, we're not around anybody who needs a miracle anymore. But where are the people who will be like, I want to be an apostle of power. Well, you're going to have to go get yourself into a predicament. Man, I'm around a bunch of people who are suffering. I'm around a bunch of people who are poor. I'm around a bunch of people who are hungry. 
I'm, a, I'm around a bunch of people who are tired. But you know what? When they present me with their pain, I don't go. Man, I got, I got something to do, man. I got. Oh, I thought you want to be used by God. So when the people who need the miracle show up, where are you? Well, I just want to come for encounter night. Well, I, I, just want, I just want to come for worship, you know? I, you know, I just want to come for a word. I want a good word. So are you willing, if you want to be an apostle of power, I'm, I'm going to ask you, are you willing to gaze in the direction of suffering? And don't break gaze. Don't break gaze till you're affected. Well, you know, I just want to sow a seed. Hey, man, come get the dollar. Take it out the window, bro. Man, it's getting too real, isn't it? It's, it's not a seed till it hurts. I'm going to try this out. But it's not a seed till it hurts, man. So that was, that was the first thing. Did y'all see that? And he directed his gaze. And then he said what? He said, look at us. Uh, so whenever he said, look at me, look at us, what was he doing? The apostles of power, Peter and John, they were taking personal responsibility to help the man. This is point two. They were taking personal responsibility to help the man. Here's what they didn't do. They didn't refer them out. Y'all got to get with me on that. So, oh man, I see the the pain. I see the pain. I'm going to write a number down for you though, bro. They call that part, they'll get get you right. Right, man. I, I'm, I'm getting all in your business today. I can feel it. I can tell. But, but just wait just a second, David. I'll, t- I'll tell you when I'm landing. I'll tell you what. Stay there, but I'll tell you when I'm landing and start playing. We're, we're, we're 35,000 right now. We, that's when the keys come in. So, I w- David, you know what? If you could fly with me and my wife, bro, my life would be a lot easier because she starts freaking out when we start... You just hit those pads. Give me, give me a little pad. That would be perfect. The, the other day, see, look at it. See? Um, the other day. <laughs> hey, I had my... All right, all right you good. So I, I, had, um, I, I had my wife watching Apollo 13. We were watching Apollo 13 up in the airplane. She was like, this is the worst place to watch this movie. <laughs> Let's, we get on the ground and we'll watch Apollo 13. But you guys get what I'm saying here. He took personal responsibility to become the solution of the man in need. He didn't say, hey, look, I, you know, if you come to church with me, my pastor will pray for you. Come on. Come on, saints. Uh, hey, man, if, you, if you'll just, if you'll come to prayer room, man, we'll get Brian and Sonia to cast the demon out of you. You see what I'm saying? Hey, if you know, if you could come to small group with me, you know, Seth will be there and you know, he'll probably pray for you, bro. 
You see what I'm saying? They took personal responsibility. They said, hey, I'm not asking you to look over there. I'm not asking you to look at that organization. I'm not asking you to look at that YouTube channel. I'm saying, look at me. Because I may not have everything that you want in this moment, but I do know by way of the Holy Spirit, I am carrying what you need. I'm not going to break gaze. I'm going to look right at you, man. And I'm going to take personal responsibility for the miracle that you need. And so that's whenever Peter stepped up. He said, look at us. Look at me. Look in this direction. And then what did he do? He said, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Did you, you thought that was like a polite way to pray over supper, right? Look, Jesus had spoken. Here, I, I got a couple of scriptures for this, all right? Y'all, it's under the name of Jesus in my notes. I didn't read them last time, but it's John chapter 14. Jesus had told the apostles, he said, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. That the name that the Father may be glorified in the Son, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. It sounds like he was talking about more than, than blessing the dinner. He said, listen, I and my, and my name are inseparable. They had a Hebrew phrase at the time that he is his name and his name is he. That, that was a Hebrew phrase about Yahweh. And so when he's preaching and teaching to his apostles in this Hebraic context, they understood that when Jesus said, hey, if you need authority, here's how you, here's how you pray. In Jesus' name. Hey, you need some power? Here's how you pray. In Jesus' name. The apostles of power understood that Jesus was always at the back of his name. And in the early, early church, the name of Jesus took the place of the person of Jesus. So that each and every time the early church said, in the name of Jesus, they were releasing the resurrection power of the living Jesus. So whenever, whenever I lay hands on you and I say, in the name of Jesus, I'm, it's not some nicety. I'm not trying to like work up some type of fancy prayer. It's what we're doing, what we're all doing. Who, who in here said that they want more, right? You, you're like, man, I want to carry more power. What you're doing when you say in the name of Jesus, you are actively in reality releasing the resurrection life of the very person of Jesus into the person that you are praying for, just like in Acts chapter 3. In the name of Jesus. This, this is why, you know, this is why in, in Acts, Acts chapter uh, 3 verse 12, we'll, we'll look at that in just a second. I'm almost done. Acts chapter 3 verse 12, you see that um, whenever the religious people are like, how'd y'all do it? Some magic spells or something? Right? You, you guys remember this, right? You read this, right? By the way, your homework is verse 11 to verse 26, so you'll read it this week. How'd you, how'd you, how'd you do that? How'd you do that? We've been doing all these rites, all these rituals. We've been, we've been blessing this man. We've been giving into this man. You guys just show up the ninth hour for prayer, and all of a sudden, you're healing a guy that's been lame since birth? How'd you do that? And Peter said, it's not by my power. And it's not by my piety. Yeah. 
What did he mean? He said, it's not by my own power and it's not by my own holiness. You see, it's possible for believers to consider themselves to be apostles of power, have power and no holiness. That's Samson. But it's also possible. I'm glad you're back here, bro. It's also possible for us to have all holiness and no power. That's the Pharisees. And so Peter said, no, no, listen, I, this man right here, you guys are putting me on trial for the healing of this man, but you have, you're not putting me on trial. You already put Jesus on trial. You remember that like 53 days ago, bro? You put that man on trial. It is by the name of Jesus that this man was raised up. It's not by my power. It's not by my holiness. See, when we work miracles, church, people of God, as we operate and flow in the fruit of the Holy Spirit and we see people get healed, you have to recognize that they didn't get healed by your power. So I know sometimes people walk up to the prayer, they're like Connor. You know, because they're like, I'm God's man of power for the hour. Right? And, and they expect... <laughs> Tim, don't post that on Instagram, bro. So, um, just kidding. So, they expect by their own power. Oh, I've been good recently. I just got off a 10-day fast. I can heal the sick. Did Jesus consult with your devotion before he gave you authority to cast out demons and to heal the sick? I don't think he did. But we sure do. I'm not worthy to pray for anybody today because I didn't put in three hours of prayer yesterday. If they get healed, they didn't get healed by your power anyway. So what's it going to hurt to stop in Walmart and say, hey, ma'am, listen, I know you don't know me. And this seems a little bit strange. I go to this church in East Nashville. Don't say the name. But I go to this church. I'm I'm just kidding. I go to this church in East Nashville and we believe in praying for the sick. And I believe that if I pray for you in Jesus' name, the Holy Spirit will heal you. But he said, no, no, it's not by my power. And what else did he say? It's not by my piety. It's not by my own righteousness. It's not by my own holiness. It's not by my own good behavior. It's not by my own sinlessness. Do I get to operate in the power and the authority of Jesus? It's on the basis of what he accomplished on the cross. Because he died and resurrected and gave me the legal right to say, in Jesus' name, I get to release the resurrection life of Jesus anytime I pray. So if you've been looking for more, let me tell you, it's right here. Don't focus on what you don't have, but such as I have. What do you already have is what I'm asking. Because what you already have through the free gift of salvation is enough to heal the sick. What you already carry right now in your spirit is already enough to cast out demons. (laughs) Somebody's going to level up in their authority today in Jesus' name. I'm just going to preach until we get it. Andrew? You're called by God and you have the Holy Ghost that's living on the inside of you and you have the authority to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, 
to cleanse the leper and to preach the gospel to the poor. Come on, who, who am I talking to in here? That you came in this place and said, man, I wish I could, you know, participate in the ministry of Jesus. Well, who said you couldn't? Because it wasn't Jesus. Who said you couldn't heal the sick? Because it wasn't Jesus. Who said you couldn't cleanse lepers? Because it wasn't Jesus. Who said you couldn't walk in resurrection power? Because it wasn't Jesus. Because Jesus said, I'm going to make sure that you can. And here's how you know. Because I'm going to give my life. I'm going to pay for it in my own blood. And then I'm going to give you my own spirit. And my own spirit is going to give you the authority and the power to drive out demons and heal the sick. John 16, truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name, but ask and you will receive so that your joy will be made full. And I I don't know joy like praying for people. I don't. It's so much fun. You ever prayed a whole bunch and nothing happened? But then you pray for somebody else and you just got, you wake up. You, you, I'm, I'm giving you a, a, like a, a tip of the trade here, okay? Sometimes I will be praying, you know, to the bridegroom. And I'm just like, man, I feel stale in my spirit. But then I'll shift my perspective. And I'll start praying over the bride. And I'll get so stirred up. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes it's not that you need to worship more. But it's that you need to go around looking for somebody in need of a miracle that's in pain. Look at them long enough. Understand that God made you the solution. Lay hands on them. Cast the demons out of them. And tell them in Jesus' name, rise up and walk. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I'm feeling empowered this morning. In my Jordans. Here's the last thing. Here's point four. And I actually preach this two different ways in two different messages, in two different, um, two sermons. The first one, I went through some testing. I ain't going to do the testing in this one because we're out of time. Probably our kids are out of time. I know you guys are down for revival, but, you know, they've been down there for a while. Here's a, here's a fourth point. I want you to notice what it was that Peter spoke over them, spoke over him, Right? So he looks at him. He said, hey, look at me. Look at me. It's, it's not my power and it's not my holiness. But he who has saved me, who lives on the inside of me, can meet your need. Now, you may not get what you want in this moment, but I know a God that can meet your need. He looks at him. He said, this is what I've been looking for. In Jesus' name, the man is healed. And what does he say? Rise up and walk. We've got a generation of people who have been lied on, maligned, talked down to, marginalized, filled with self-hate, filled with self-doubt, filled with low self-esteem. Don't believe anything good about themselves because of what has been spoken over them by the enemy for decades. I believe that part of being an apostle of power is looking at the people that the world has tried to push down and say, rise up. 
Rise up. Rise up and walk. Come on, where are the encouragers in the room? The people who are going to say, man, look, I know you've been down for a while. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. I think somebody's going to lay hands on their spouse today. You're going to go home for that Sunday afternoon nap, but they've been in a funk for a while. They're just going to wake up. In Jesus' name, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. It's being an encourager, not a discourager, not trying to win all the arguments. You, know, you can win an argument and lose a soul. Not trying to always be right, but being righteous. Not trying to always be right, but being righteous. And say, hey, rise up and walk. Rise up and walk. God, God made you better. You can do better. You can do better than him. You can do better than her. You can do better than that job. You can do better than that boss. You can do better than that. Rise up and walk. The enemy is lying to people, oppressing people, talking down to people every second of the day. Where are the encouragers, the apostles of power to say, world, rise up and walk. You can do it. I believe in you. God believes in you. God lives in you. God loves you. You're better than this. We, we had enough arguments. How about some encouragement? We had enough division. How about some encouragement? How about some love? Rise up and walk. I see what the enemy's trying to do. He's kept you down for a long time. You feel like you've been like this since birth. Rise up and walk in Jesus name come on let's stand up and pray Lord we want to pray today that you would make us apostles of power I don't mean you know office apostles that's not my point here that's a different sermon but what I'm talking about is people that understand they have been sent by heaven on a righteous Mission to look suffering in the face and refuse to go anywhere. Look pain in the eye and say, I may not have what you want, but I know a God that can supply your every need. His name is Jehovah Jireh. He's God, our provider. And I may not have everything, but what I do have, I give it to you. I may not have everything you want, but what I do have, I give it to a broken world. I may not have everything that you want, but what I do have, I give it to my university. I give it to my high school. I give it to my workplace. I give it to the dark places that Jesus has positioned me in to stand in that place and say, rise up and walk. I'm an apostle. I'm an ambassador. I've been sent on assignment from heaven. Rise up in this place. This is a place of life. This is a place of light. Not a place of darkness and despair. Not a place of pain and peril. Not for long. Not if I'm walking by. Not for long. Not if I'm headed to prayer. Not for long. Not if I'm on assignment. Lord, we pray right now in Jesus' name. 
that you would heal the sick and raise the dead, that you would work miracles and that you would work wonders, that people would look upon what you do through this family and say, oh my gosh, I'm astounded. How did they do it? How did they do it? Those people are different. They're built different. They live different. They do different. They love different. That's who we're called to be, Legacy. They love different. That's who we're called to be. I think Dante's song this morning was prophetic that he was singing. We're a product of love. So be love. So we say we'll be love. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning into the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.